be speaking out of is 1 John 2, 7 through 11. So you can turn there with me, please. Um, so it's, I don't know what week this is, but we're pretty far into 1 John. Not really, but we've had a lot of weeks. So I'm going to um, read through everything that we've gone through so far together. So that way it gets kind of the context and kind of puts us where we are this week. So starting in 1 John 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now our text for tonight. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to read and study your word. I pray, Lord that as the song we just sang, you would open our hearts, open our eyes to behold wondrous things from your law. I pray, Lord, that this time would be uh, glorifying to you. Uh, We would uh, lift up the name of Christ, and you would teach us how to love, Lord. You would show us your love for us, and I pray that it would ooze out of us into those around us for your glory and your name's sake. Amen. So, uh, in First John so far, as we kind of just read, um, we started, actually not in First John, in uh, the Gospel of John, we started week one, 
and it, uh, we start with the gospel, because this letter was written to confirm the saints, and the gospel of John was written to convert sinners. And so, in week one, we talked about the world and its sinfulness. We talked about how we are condemned already and under God's righteous wrath. We talked about God's love and how he sent his son into the world to save the world and not to condemn them. We discussed in depth who Jesus is. He is the son of God, the exact imprint of of God's nature. He is the bread of life, the light of the world. We talked about how coming to the light was God's doing. He has brought you from death to life. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Then we moved to the letter of, of John and talked about how Christ is both fully man and fully God and how John and the other disciples saw him and heard his teaching. They, uh, they have witnessed Christ's ministry. We discussed that this letter has, uh, was written to encourage and affirm the church body. John wants us to know where we stand. We moved into how God is light and there is no darkness in him. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and Jesus' blood cleanses us from sin. But if we walk in darkness, then we lie and do not practice the truth. We talked about the importance of confession and how if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse us from all our sin because we have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus. We talked about how he is the propitiation and how he makes atonement for our sins. We discussed that believers will keep God's command, in which, uh, in which, in so doing, keeping His commands, we are uh, in the faith and we are walking and imitating Christ. We discussed that if you don't keep God's commands, then you prove to not be a believer. And again, this is not perfection. So now we come to our text in uh, verses seven through eleven. And tonight, I want to explain what this command is that John is talking about. He says, uh, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old command that you had from the beginning. The old command is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new command. How can that be? How can it be old and new at the same time? Um, what I want to explain, what is this new command? And what is this old commandment? How is it the same? I also want to explain how it is new and how it is old. How can these things be both old and new? This seems like a contradiction. Uh, Jeremy briefly mentioned last week there's contradiction, uh, or yeah, contradiction, mystery, and paradox. Uh, mystery are things that we cannot understand on this earth. Once we are glorified, they'll be revealed to us. Um, paradoxes are things that seem contradictory. Contradictory is things that don't correlate. They don't go together. They're not truth. Um, paradox is things that seem contradictory. They seem like they don't go together, like how this can be an old commandment and a new commandment at the same time, but yet upon further study, we can know the truth. There, it, it is to be known that it's not contradictory. Um, since there are no contradictions in the Bible, we want to talk about what he's talking about, what John, what John is saying here. I also want to then move into the church and talk about the church body and give you application there. He talks about loving your brother. The first two verses seem very complicated, like I kind of mentioned, and the last three seem self-explanatory, but there is a lot to say about all of these verses, and I hope to help you gain a better understanding of this text and its implication in your daily life. 
So what is this command? What's the command that he is talking about here? We have seen throughout this letter so far that John has been talking about the commands of God as a whole. All through uh, in chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, he's talking about keep God's commands. Abide, uh, if we keep his commands, then we prove to be a believer. So those are God's commands in general. Those are all of God's commands. We need to obey all of God's commands and his teachings. This is how we prove to be believers. But now, John shifts to his focus shifts his focus to the command of God that is preeminent to others. It, is, it stands above, it transcends above the others. But, but it does not mean that this, that this commandment, uh, but, it does, but it does mean that if this command is kept, then the other commands will be kept in following this command. So in other words, this is the greatest commandment, and if we keep this command, then we will keep the rest of the commands. That's what I mean by preeminent. It stands above the others. The commandment John is talking about here is a commandment of love. We see this in uh, the verses to follow. We know that this is the command he's talking about because of the next couple of verses which uh, transition us into love. We also know that this command is the command of love because of what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. But if that is enough evidence, later on in John's next letter, in 2 John, he gives uh, very conclusive evidence when he says in 2 John, verse 5, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one that we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Very similar language here. We see two things. One, that he is affirming this command is to love. And also he is saying that it is both old and new. By the way, this, is, this love that John mentions doesn't quite have the same stick that it did back in, the, back in John's day. This is not the same type of love we say when we describe our affection for a steak or football or music or having the perfect coffee made at Starbucks or Dunkin'. This love is unconditional. It does not rely on circumstances. It transcends and persists through all things. This is a willful love. This love delights in and is faithful. It is an action and not a mere feeling. We see this love displayed in action in God's love uh, for us, that he sent his son to die for our sins. That is a willful love and delight. We love with the same love we have been given from God. It is an overflow of God's love for us. But more on this to come uh, a little later. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Um, we need to understand that this is the commandment John is speaking of. And so I now want to uh, explain how in the world this can be an old and new commandment at the same time. I'll start with how it's an old command. The answer to this is more obvious than how uh, it seems to be explained to be because love isn't new. It's not, it's not a new commandment because they have been given this command before. It's been a command since the Old Testament. In Leviticus 19.18, we are commanded to love our neighbors as yourself. And in Deuteronomy, we are commanded to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and might. It is obvious this love is certainly not a new command. This command of love summarizes the entire law and the prophets in Mark 12. Jesus is asked which command is the most important, and he says this command of love, loving God and loving neighbor. In fact, this was a command before Jesus even came to the earth to be crucified. Of course, God knew what he was doing, 
but we were limited in our understanding of this command to love. So this is not a new command in the Bible. We also find that this is not a new command if we read a little further at the end of verse 7. John says that they have had this command from the beginning. This is not the same statement that he uses in the beginning of his letter uh, when he says that which was from the beginning or also he uses the same uh, language in his gospel when he talks about Christ and how he has been all the way from the beginning. He's not talking about from the beginning of time. What he means is that when they were first converted to Christ, when they first heard the gospel, they heard this before in, his, in the gospel of John. He preached this same command to love to them. So it's not new. It's not new to them. When they first heard the word of Christ, um, it's not new because they heard it when they first heard the word of Christ. This is not the first time they have heard about this command. We see this in verse 24 when John says, If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son. So we see that they heard it in the beginning. Or more clearly, in chapter 3, verse 11, he says, This is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We see that the people John is uh, talking to here have heard this command before. Remember, this, written, this letter was written to confirm the saints. These are people who claim to be saved. John had already given them the gospel message in, his, in the gospel that he wrote. This is the same gospel message he preached to them before. His words haven't changed. It's similar to when Paul said in his letter to the Galatians, If I come again to you preaching a gospel contrary to the one we did when we first came to you, let us be accursed. We see that this command to love is something that has been often repeated to them, both in the Old scriptures, Old Testament scriptures and also in their prior conversations and conversions. This is not something John is uh, writing to them for the first time after their conversion. This love is part of the gospel message. It is the gospel message. John is not saying, alright, now that you are saved, let's talk about the next step, which is love. No, on the contrary, love is the gospel message. And this should already be in them. If you're, if you're a true believer, you should already have this love in you. This command has been around since the Old Testament times, and this love is something that uh, they have heard when they first converted and heard the gospel message. I just repeated myself. This is why John says that this is an old command. Now, how can he say this is a new command? It's obvious it's old, so how can he say it's new at the same time? So how is it a new command? In verse, in, uh, in verse 8, John says, This command is at the same time a new command that he is writing. In order to unpack this new command, we need to first consider what, in what way he is using the term new. There are two ways of saying something is new. He could be saying that it is new in time, in which case this would be contradictory because we just looked, about, looked at how they've heard this command before. No, rather than being new in time, this command of love is new in quality. There is a massive difference in the quality of love that we have now. We see this because of the second half of, the, of uh, this verse, in verse 8. It says, The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. This verse is the key to understanding this text. Jesus is the light that is already shining. The true light that shines is Christ's love. God is light and God is love. Therefore, the light of God is the light of love. The darkness in this text corresponds with hating your brother. At the same time, love is corresponding with light. To walk in light is to walk in love. To abide in Christ and keep in step with the Spirit is to abide in love. Jesus has given this command a new meaning. 
He has given, uh, so you get that. He's given, Jesus Christ came to the earth and has given this love a new meaning. And I see in three different ways uh, this meaning is displayed. And I'll take each of these at, at, uh, one at a time. The first way this command to love is given a new meaning because Christ is new. Christ, the love, the, the command of love is new in emphasis. Christ gives it a new emphasis. Uh, as I briefly mentioned earlier, this command to love one another and God is preeminent to other commands God has given us. John has narrowed down his letter to, uh, to this very command. Again, he talks broadly about the, lo- uh, the commandments of God as a whole and how he's specifically talking about love. <clears throat> he spoke about all these commands in general in verses 1 through 6, and now he is saying, uh, now he is looking at this greatest command. Let's, exam- let's examine 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Let's go there now. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, it's short, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skim. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read the whole thing. Paul says, "If I speak in the in the tongues of men and of angels, but not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains." But, not have, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecy, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Here's the big verse. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So we see, especially in the last verse, that love is lifted up. It is, the uttermost, it is of the uttermost importance. Paul also says in Romans uh, chapter 13, verse 8 through 10, that to love is to fulfill the law. There is a great amount of significance surrounding this command of love. Jesus said in response to the Pharisees that this is the greatest command, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second greatest is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We must pay very close attention to this command to love. It is the most difficult command to keep. We fall short of this standard to love uh, like Christ has loved us every day, all the time. This command is at the very heart of the Christian faith. Once the Spirit has awakened us to life in Christ, we have God's love in us. Romans 5, verse 5. Uh, No. Romans 5, verse 5 says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given 
who has been given to us. We love because he first loved us. If we truly know God, then we know love. I mentioned this two weeks ago. Lack of love in our lives is a primary issue. Love is not step two in the gospel. We do not get saved and then learn how to love. We know how to love because we are, because we are saved and have experienced this love. We simply cannot claim to have Christ in our hearts and not love. We cannot say, oh, that's just the next step. Pretty much just pastors, missionaries, and the serious Christians uh, love. Actually love that way. No, if you have faith, you have love. And, if you have, and you have obedience. Or you don't have salvation at all. This love from God manifests itself in our love for others. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. This is a serious issue. Jesus said to his disciples that our love for one another is the proof that we truly know him. John thirteen thirty five. Once you are brought from death to life and have been born again, your, love, your loves change. Your loves will change from the fleeting pleasures of this world and you will delight in and love the heavenly things, the things of God. A new believer will love one another. This love for each other is not shallow. It is an action. It is a willing obedience to God's command. This is not a command to act as if you love them, but act because you love them. We may think, man, this is uh, way too tall of a task for us to complete, and you're right. We need God's power and his grace to awaken us to this love. One of the ways he has done this is by sending his son as an example. This is the next way he has given this command a new meaning, by Christ being our example. Jesus has performed and executed this command to perfection. Jesus is the perfect example of love. Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures. He is our final and eternal high priest. When there was a change in priesthood uh, in the Old Testament, there was a change in the law as well. Hebrews tells us, "In in the new commandment, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. This is Christ. Christ is the better hope. Jesus is the guarantor of a better uh, covenant. He holds this priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The law appoints men in their weakness as high priest, but the word of oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Jesus has come willingly to this earth and took on flesh, despised and rejected for our life. Romans 5 says that one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is an amazing example of love. It is the example of love. I feel as though uh, this unfathomable unfathomable truth has lost its flavor to some of us. We have heard it so many times and it's just the Christian language we have been accustomed to our whole life. I want to make it clear that if you don't see Christ dying on the cross for your sins as life-changing and the greatest act of love possible, you need to fall flat on your face and beg God for a heart change. This is an incredible truth. 
We see the old command to love God and our neighbor in a new and fresh way by seeing Christ live and exemplify true, perfect love and obedience to his Father and in love for us. John told us in verse 6 of chapter 2 that we ought to walk in the same manner in which Christ walked. This reminds me of those uh, cheesy what-would-Jesus-do wristbands that hardly anyone actually took serious. We just wore it as our stamp to prove that uh, we are Christians. So I ask, how, how did Jesus walk? What did Jesus do? He walked in obedience to all God's commands. And he obeyed the greatest command to love, and he did it perfectly. To do what Jesus did, to do what Jesus would do, is to lay down your life for a stranger, not merely a friend or a loved one, a stranger, one who mocks him and hates him and ridicules him and doesn't want anything to do with him. A stranger that says, get away from me. I don't want your help. I don't need your help. You don't really know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. Or perhaps someone who blames God for all the bad things in their life. They think God is the cause of the evil in their life. This is who Christ died for. What Jesus did on the cross. This is who we are apart from Christ. And it shows how great of love he has for us. Please, Christian, don't take this love for granted. This love is true in the believer and in Christ. Because in verse 8, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Christ is the true light. John John the Baptist came for what reason? To bear witness about the light. Christ is the light that is already shining. He is shining in our hearts and, and it is causing the darkness in our hearts to fade, giving us new affections, new delights, and new loves. The third way this command to love is new to us is it's new in experience. We see Christ's love for us as an example to imitate and this gives us a new experience. Our relationship with Christ and with others is radically different because of Christ's act of love for us. Your relationship with people will look radically different when you have this love that Christ has for you. You will experience fellowship with your, save, with your Savior and the church body in an entirely new way. You have more in common with a believer across the world whom you have never met than with a lost family member or best friend. You simply cannot keep in step with God without keeping in step with other Christians at the same time. Together you are the body of Christ. The Christian life is both vertical and horizontal. You have fellowship and love between you and God in a vertical relationship fueled by God's love in you and it will overflow in a horizontal relationship to others. This is the sign of a true believer. You must remember this is not legalism. This letter could easily be twisted into a list of do's and don'ts to attain salvation. You cannot white-knuckle your way to this love and compassion on those around you and for God. We know this because uh, we know that this is not legalism, because John says, "The true light is already shining." This means that this love is already in you. You don't, you don't, uh, you don't do this to be saved. You are saved and do this. This is God's love in you, leading you to obey. God and love others. This love is the evidence of eternal life in us. 
Our walk with others in the church must be rooted in love if we are to work properly like it says in Ephesians. We must bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We are held accountable for each other's growth in the Lord. This saving faith is not merely one of inward reflection alone, but of those around you who are striving with you for holiness. I love Jesus' meditation on Psalm 119 when he said that the psalmist was a, uh, had a prof- uh, prophetic voice in exposing the sin around him. We must not be like the Israelites who did not take care for their brothers and did not keep watch for unbelieving hearts. They hardened their hearts and did not keep the commands of God, but allowed these commands to pass by them and their brothers. This is why the author of Hebrews says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort or, or urge strongly one another every day, not once a week on Sundays, but every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm until the end. Do not harden your hearts to your sin and your brother's sin, as in the rebellion of the Israelites. We must be filled with the love of God and overflow to our brothers and sisters, encouraging them and building them up daily. What are you saying when you see a brother hurting or see a brother living in sin and yet not help them or bring their sin to their attention? We must strive to the uttermost to not only help our brothers in their worldly needs but also show them the love of Christ. Be an example of that Christ-like love to them. Point them to Christ and to his word and show them that this is their greatest treasure and their greatest joy. We as Christians are to speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What an amazing picture of the body of Christ, the church, whom Christ loved and has given us this precious gift to experience. As I close, I want to end with a call to the unbeliever, the one who is not abiding and delighting in Christ. If there's anyone who is not experiencing this love and has yet to delight in, obey, and love God and His commands, I plead with you to beg God to transform your lowly heart into a heart that loves and cherishes Him as your greatest treasure. And die to yourself and live to Christ. Come. Taste the sweetness of fellowship with the body of believers only made possible through the blood of Christ and experience the greatest and most complete love that can be known from the ultimate source of love. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would show us your love. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. Help our lives to be changed, our hearts to be stirred for you. So full of love and gratitude for what you've done for us that we want everyone to know about it. I pray, Lord, that we would be diligent in looking after our brothers and sisters' sanctification, that we would take care and exhort one another every day. 
Help us, Lord, I pray in your name. Amen. Um, so Tyler, I guess this half go with Tyler, stay with Tyler in here, and then Juice can go in the fellowship hall of that half.